Dad on Money is presented by the Small Business Accountants and Financial Advisors. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Dad on Money. I'm your host, Stephen Williams, and I'm co-hosted by a rotating cast of my children, each with their own financial goals and situations. Today, I'm joined by Jerrica. Say hi to Jerrica. Hi, I'm Jerrica. Um, I'm a university graduate, a young stay-at-home mom, and lately I've been searching for more joy in my life. Today, we're going to be talking about how money really can buy happiness. Stephen here, just popping in to remind you that Dad on Money is brought to you by the Small Business Accountants and Financial Advisors. Contact us through the link in the show notes to start saving for whatever you want. I remember sitting in my sixth grade class arguing with another student about whether or not money can buy happiness, and honestly, I don't remember which side of the argument I was on. But one thing is for sure, today, as an adult with mouths to feed and bills to pay, I believe money can buy happiness, if we do it right. And that's the key, if you do it right, because you can make very little money and it can buy you happiness and you can make a ton of money and it can buy you misery. So it definitely has to be done right. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about today, how to do it right. Um, So I'm over here claiming that money buys happiness, and yet I know that it can also cause a lot of pain. Um, So let's talk about that first, and then we'll end on a high note. Um, Really, the whole reason we're talking about this. Um, During university studies, I took several marriage and family-focused classes. At one point, I thought about becoming a marriage counselor. And something that we talked a lot about was the main cause of divorce, money. So my first question is, why in the world is money the number one cause of divorce? Because people don't talk about money generally. They talk about money, like how much do you make? And, you know, because for a lot of people, it's a status thing and, and stuff like that. But when it comes to why do people divorce when the root is money, it's because they're not talking about the money that they're spending, They may talk about the money that they're making, but they're not talking about the money that they're spending. You know, it just starts right there. You have to talk about your budget. It doesn't matter if you make $10 an hour or a million dollars an hour. You have to have a budget and you have to go through that. And both of you, your spouse and yourself, have to be on the same page. Otherwise, it causes contention because I've seen many people Go down that path of, well, she bought this, so I went out and bought this. And then they end up in a huge amount of debt and they end up divorced or close to divorced because they didn't talk about money. Okay, so number one thing we need to do is talk about the money. Um, That is going to help in the happiness aspect of our relationship, right? Well, talking about the spending of the money, Mm -hmm. not just the money, because people just say, oh, I make $50,000 a year, so everything's good. But when you have one person staying at home who ends up ordering a whole bunch of frivolous things that you think is frivolous, they don't think it's frivolous, but you buy all these things online or they all buy all these things online, that just causes contention because it's like, what happened to all the money? We need groceries. 
oh, I bought this off of whatever website, and so I thought it was all good. So, you know, you really got to look into that and discuss that because it'll go south real quick. Yeah, and especially like knowing, like, I mean, maybe you have space in your budget for those frivolous things, right? Like maybe that is something that you've talked about and you've agreed upon, but like keeping in mind that budget, right? Do you... (laughs) Do you have $50 to spend? Do you have $100 to spend on those kind of things? Or, I don't know, maybe you're one of the lucky ones and you have $1,000 to spend on those things, right? But, like, if you're going over that $1,000 or you're going going over that $100, either way, there is going to be room for argument because you're spending more than you have, right? Yeah, you both have to be on the same page. And that is on the same front page, not on one person being on the front page and the other one being on the other side of that page. You have to be on the same page, definitely, and know what, where exactly the money is going. And everybody has to be in agreement with it. You know, just because you like steak and lobster, but the budget doesn't allow that, doesn't mean you can go out and buy steak and lobster just because your grocery budget is 200 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to look at, okay... I do want to eat for the rest of the month, so I won't use up my entire grocery budget for this one meal. And you have to have that conversation with the other person in your life to be able to make that work. Okay, so that kind of leads into my next question. You know, if steak and lobster is super important to me, okay, let's say whether it's steak and lobster or having a gym membership or going to the movies or golfing or whatever whatever it is, if that is super important to me, um, what can I do to ensure that my money is paying for those things that make me happy? So one, depending on the value of it and how much disposable income you have, you might have to save, right? But if you're in a relationship with somebody where you are sharing money, where you're married and stuff and your money is combined because you're sharing your all your household expenses, then in your budget... I know we're going to say that a lot. In your budget, you're going to have or could have a portion that's allocated for you and you alone. And so maybe you have $50 a month and maybe your spouse has $50 a month to do whatever you want with. So if you want to blow that on eating out or if you want to spend it on a gym membership or whatever... That's what you have because that's what's been allocated for that for making you happy. Now, if your monthly allocation is $50, but you want something that's $300, then you're going to have to find, you know, a way to control your spending to be able to save that up, that $50 a month for six months or $25 for a year to be able to get that thing that'll make you happy that costs $300. And so it really, you know, that's what you kind of have to do. And so even though you've got that money allocated to you in the budget, it doesn't mean that you have to spend it. You can save it, which you can, you know, have that grow and build and then spend it on something bigger later. Hey guys, Stephen here, just popping in to remind you that Dad on Money is brought to you by the Small Business Accountants and Small Business Financial Advisors. For all your accounting and financial advising needs, our small business is here to help you. 
Come and get your personal taxes done and put that refund to good use. You know, last time we talked about um, saving for an emergency fund, and we've talked about in other episodes as well, um, paying yourself first, right? Saving money first and then paying your bills and then all the other fun things that come after that. So let's say that I have saved the, the amount of money that I want to, you know. Um, I'm, I'm putting money into my emergency fund. I'm putting it into, like, my trip fund, my house fund, you know, all the different saving categories that we have. Let's say that I'm perfectly satisfied with my savings amount, okay? And I've already paid that. Then after that, I have paid my housing costs, I have paid my utilities, and my food, my clothing, my very, very, very basic, (laughs) and I think we need to be clear here, like, budgets can be, they can be super basic. Um, So let's say all my basic needs are paid for. Um, After that, I have some money left over. What if it's something that like both my spouse and I want? Like, let's say we both want to go to the gym together. You know, are there things in our budget that like maybe we can work around to make more room for? Yeah, sure. Let's say going to the gym. Instead of taking your vehicle to the gym, walk to the gym or jog to the gym. Therefore, you don't have to spend as much money on gas. So... Now that's, you know, now you're saving that in your budget so that you can afford to go to the gym. Um, You know, or maybe you save up instead of being going to the gym and spending that monthly membership. Maybe that monthly membership over a period of time saves you enough to buy weights or a treadmill or, you know, stationary bike or something like that. Right. You can always find places in your budget to be able to do those things that you want to do. But you just have to be able to talk about it and make sure that both of you are on the same page to do those things. Because in a year time, when you wanted to buy that Peloton, you know, and then you go, oh, do I really want to do that anymore? I'm eating better and I feel healthier anyway. And I've lost a bunch of weight this past year regardless. So Maybe I don't need that anymore. Oh, sweet. Now we can go on this trip or something, right? Like you still have to be able to discuss that with your spouse and, you know, be able to do that. But that's kind of, you're just looking for pieces in your budget to cut back, which if, if we're all brutally honest with ourselves, we don't need that chocolate bar or that whatever fix it is that we need first thing in the morning or late in the afternoon or in the evening, you know, at the end of the day, we don't need that. So do we really have to spend money on it? We like to, because maybe that makes us happy. But, you know, if that's the case too, maybe you need to spend money on therapy. (laughs) Um, I think, I think like going through your budget is really important to find this happiness in it. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if any of the listeners have like, you know, watched the Marie Kondo um, or the minimalist documentaries. Right. But like going through your life and really like analyzing what brings me joy, what do I really need? What is going to make me happy? You know, um, 
Things like your housing, your transportation, and your food are the three biggest ticket items on your budget. And those are also usually the easiest to cut back on. Right. Like, if it's just you and your spouse, do you need a 3,000 square foot home? Or can you handle being in a, you know, 1,200 foot bungalow? Right? And so... You know, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses and that mentality that, oh, the neighbor on my on my right has a nice trailer and the neighbor on my left has a boat, so I need both. When the neighbor on the right doesn't have a boat and the neighbor on the left doesn't have a trailer, right? But for some reason, we have in our mind that it's like, oh, they have that? or all those people have these things, I need what everybody else has, which just creates an endless amount of problems. So, you know, you just kind of have to sit back, relax and go, do I really need that stuff? Because am I going to use it? You know, I like to have a lot of things too, but, you know, do I really need that? Whatever it is, whether it's a house or a warehouse, you know, I think a warehouse would be the coolest thing because then I could just, you know, park my vehicle in there and keep it nice and warm in the winter and I never have to worry about it. But at the end of the day, what am I going to do with a warehouse? It's too expensive. I need to find a reason to have a warehouse. So maybe I'm like, oh, okay, if I'm going to buy a warehouse, then I better have a a warehouse need, right? It better store stuff that I'm going to sell. Because otherwise, why do I want a warehouse? Love to have a warehouse, but it doesn't make sense to have a warehouse. I know that's silly, but I think you get the idea. Yeah. And one one thing that I really wanted to mention, because <laughs> I mean, I don't think a lot of like young married people um, in my circumstances anyway, are going to be buying warehouses. Um, we're having enough, a hard enough time buying a house. <laughs> to live in. I think it's really important to look at how much money we're putting into transportation. Um, I had a friend one time complain to me that they were poor and they had two vehicles, two brand new vehicles. Um, and they were luxury. (laughs) They were really, really nice. Um, and she was complaining about how it was hard to feed themselves or they couldn't go and do the things that they wanted to do. And I looked at her and I said, well, why do you have a car payment? Like, do you really need both vehicles? Do you need this expensive luxury vehicle that is costing you $400 a month? Just one of them is costing $400 a month, right? What else could you do to spend on happiness with that $400. Now, your luxury vehicle might might be the thing that brings you happiness, and that's great, that's really awesome. But if you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could go to Disneyland, or I wish I could go on this trip, or oh, we don't have enough food to feed ourselves, um, transportation is something that is really, really easy to scale down. <laughs> You know? Yeah, especially if you're in a major city where they have public transit. 
I know it's not the most glamorous or anything like that, but if you just need to go get from point A to point B um, for work, then take public transit, really. Um, you know, because like I've, I've talked to a lot of people with, you know, this whole COVID thing. People would park downtown and be like, you know what, with COVID, I've saved so much money on fuel for my vehicle, plus parking all over. I hope we can continue doing this forever because I'm saving probably a good thousand dollars a month just on fuel and parking, you know, to have to park downtown because it's expensive, of course, but they're saving a ton of money. And so they're like, this is amazing, but you you know, you ride public transit for 100, 150 bucks a month, whatever it is. And, you know, you're saving, even then you're saving 900 bucks. And so how amazing is that to be able to, you know, I, I think the, going back to your luxury vehicle example, I think the issue is, is that people want to look successful here in North America, we have to get past what looks successful and what is successful. And so, you know, I feel I'm successful. I have a, you know, pretty decent accounting firm that, you know, you know, I've got 12 staff and everybody gets paid on time without any issues. And everybody seems to be happy there doing the work for our clients who also seem to be happy and, and it's good. And, I drive a 2000 Jetta. And so, you know, I also do financial advising. And so some financial advisors out there might say, hmm, that guy mustn't be too successful. He's not driving a Range Rover or a Jaguar or whatever. I was like, oh, I'd love to have one of those vehicles, but the cost on that is insane. What most people don't understand is that most financial advisors don't take care of themselves. They know how to help their clients, but they don't know how to help themselves. And so the, the financial advisors that have a financial advisor are good financial advisors because they're ones that are able to, you know, understand and take feedback on what they're doing. Whereas financial advisors that are like, oh, no, I can do it all myself and I don't need anybody to tell me what to do, but they're good at telling other people what to do. They're the ones that don't have any money saved, don't follow a budget. And so it's really hard to take advice, I think, from somebody that drives a Range Rover or a, or a Jaguar or something like that, a really expensive vehicle, for example. Not that I don't want to have one in the future because they're nice vehicles and they ride nice and stuff. But if that's what they're, you know kind of focus is for being successful, then really they're not successful. You know, I know many financial advisors that have to stay in the business to keep earning the paycheck because they haven't saved a dime to retire. What makes you happy? Not what makes your neighbors happy or your friends happy, because that's not necessarily what makes you happy. If you want a trailer and a boat and everything, well, that's fine, but you're probably going to work for it and work hard for it to be able to get it. But if you just see that your neighbors have a trailer and your other neighbor has a boat, then, and you want both just because they do, then really that's not gonna make you happy anyway. Because you wouldn't have worked for it in the first place. 
Yeah. I Well, and then you're going into all that debt. Well, yeah. And then that makes you less happy. Right. That added, that adds so much more stress to your life um, and also leads to problems in your marriage, <laughs> like we talked about in the beginning. Um, yeah. And I want to, I want to go back to this friend of mine who has, who had this, these two luxury vehicles. Um, she actually took what I said to heart and they ended up selling one of the cars to pay off the other one. And she came to me afterwards and was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we only have one vehicle. Her husband worked close to home. And so she just drove him to work every day. And it wasn't, I mean, their gas bill went up a little bit. You know, they were driving more. Um, and so they paid a little bit more in gas, but it wasn't the $400 that they were paying for the vehicle that they sold. Right. So it was, I mean, their net was probably like $360 in savings. Right. And so it worked out really well for them. And she was so happy about it and so excited. And like, she told me that she felt like a burden was lifted. Now, if these, if your vehicle, right, like if you have a luxury vehicle and that is what brings you joy, if that is something that's really important to you, then okay, go for it. Like make it work. Like you're saying with the boat and the trailer, if that is something that you really, really want and is going to improve your quality of life for you personally, do it. But I think we all need to take a step back and really analyze what is going to make us happy because it might not be the boat. It might not be the luxury car and it might not be the trailer. Yeah, exactly. It might be Disneyland. At the end of the day, if you've got kids and none of your kids want to go to Disneyland because they really don't care, then obviously that's not going to buy happiness. <laughs> it might be pretty miserable to go to Disneyland with miserable children. <laughs> exactly. But maybe you can go by yourself without them. <laughs> And that may buy you happiness. It might. You know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay, so my very last question is, what is something that I can do today um, to find happiness in my finances? Where's my starting point? Honestly, the starting point is always the budget. You always have, everything goes back to the budget. You got to look at the budget, see what you need to live for one to sustain life for you and your family. And then next is, okay, so this just, you know, gets me by every day. So now what would make me happy? And then you got to determine what that is because for everybody it's different, whether it's going to the movies or, you know, camping or whatever, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. So you got to figure out what that, where that happy place is for you. And then figure out what that's going to cost. And then you talk to your family. So maybe not even just your spouse, but it maybe even involve your kids so that they understand what, what you want um, to accomplish to be happy or for your family to be happy. What would make us happy as a family? What are our goals in life? Is it to spend more time as a family? Does that mean spending time at home? Does that mean spending time at Disneyland? Does that mean spending time traveling? What does that mean? And so, you know, you have to look at that and just decide what it is that's going to make you and your family happy and then what it's going to cost. You know, is that 
a trip to see family. And what does that cost? And does that make your spouse happy if you're coming to see your family? <laughs> Probably not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it, so it's a matter of making sure that everybody's on the same page. Right. Yeah. Um, actually, since you bring that up, um, we actually had a conversation about this last night. Uh, we were out for a walk and we've been talking about buying a new couch. And we're realizing like, wow, couches are really expensive. <laughs> They're insanely expensive if you want a comfortable quality couch. Um, and so we're like, okay, we have the money to buy this couch, but do we want to put, you know, like 900 to a thousand dollars into something that we sit on and watch movies on, or do we want to buy the whole family bikes and go for bike rides instead of watching movies? Or do we want to go on a trip to Florida or, you know, and so suddenly we were thinking about all these different things that we could do with a thousand dollars instead of buying a couch that granted we would use every single day, but would it really bring us more happiness than say bikes or a trip, you know? And so I think really analyzing what you're purchasing and being intentional with those things and talking about it as a whole family, I think, yeah, like you said, it's really important that we're all on the same page. Yeah, most definitely. You definitely have to have those conversations of what's, especially when they're bigger purchases like a couch, you know, if anything is a major purchase for your family because it's a big chunk of your budget, you got to talk about it. You got to talk about all the pros and cons and whether this is good or bad. Is it going to make you more money or not? Or, you know, all those types of things and see if that's a good choice. Okay. So let's wrap this up episode up. Let's wrap this episode up and um, thank you all for listening. Thank you, dad, for the tips and advice. And just remember that you need to be having these conversations, especially with your spouse and probably with your kids too, um, about what is going to make you happy and how to budget those things into your budget. Thanks for listening to Dad on Money. I'm Stephen Williams, and you can find me at www.smallbusinessaccountants.ca. And I'm Jerrica, and you can find me on Instagram at she has a name too. Peace out. And I'm Alex Williams, producer of this podcast, as well as editor, as well as credit reader. So let's get on with the credits, shall we? Dad on Money is produced by Mecco Radio and is brought to you by, as always, the Small Business Financial Advisors and the Small Business Accountants. The music we use in this podcast is by Ian Post. This episode was hosted by Jerrica Dennison and Stephen Williams. Links to more of what they're about down in the show notes. It was edited and produced by myself, Alex Williams. And I just want to say once again, thanks for listening. Mecco.